Break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Give it up. It's bobsled time. That was Skates on Wheels, the Nancy Kerrigan story. I'm I'm sorry? <laughs> uh, nope, nope. Uh, that is Cold Runnings. It's the Winter Olympics. It's... Uh, did you watch that movie recently or something? Uh, I, Tanya. I saw I, Tanya. <laughs> Folks, you're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast. I am your host, Michael Feenan. Your other other host, Aaron. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing very well. This week, we've queued up a pretty cool topic where we're going to go dive into mostly Chrome, but also a little bit of Firefox and talk about uh, DevTools and features in DevTools that you may not know about, but could use. Yeah, before you before you're like, oh, I've heard this already. Like, we're gonna talk about some things that are maybe like weird parts of Dev Tools, not just like, hey, Dev Tools exist. Did you know? Yeah, this? yeah. Which apparently is hacking if you're in Missouri. Missouri, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you use your Dev Tools in your in state of Missouri, the governor thinks you're hacking. So I guess the flip side of that is if you want to go into a career in Infosec and you know how to use Dev Tools, go to Missouri. You're you're set. You're set. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like looking at stuff that the the notion here is we want to give you some features that you probably don't know about that you'll actually use. Like once you know them, mm. it's going to be like, oh, crap, this is really helpful. There's a ton of stuff in DevTools yeah. that's super cool that you'll see and then never use again. I, so. I've been using DevTools for like, what, over a decade? Or I don't know how long they've been around, but I, there's a few of these I didn't know about till literally 10 minutes ago. So, um. I am drinking hey, this evening. Wait, a, wait, wait. Oh, oh. Hold on. Hold on. Before we do that, really quick shout out. We're not sponsored at all, but I just got a cloud lifter. And let me say this shit's amazing. It was like 150 bucks in Sweetwater and I am in love with it. My my resting decibels are like negative 55. And when I talk, it's like negative 15. And there's no hum or anything. It's phenomenal. I just I am in love with this thing nerd yeah <laughs> uh i do want to give All right, go ahead <laughs> i do want to give a, a quick shout out actually before I, I jump into what i'm drinking um uh, shout out to miles kvark uh one of our new patreon backers uh is awesome thanks for the Top support dude. on the show um if anybody else wants to support drunken ux you can go to drunkenux.com slash support and uh you can back us at whatever you want uh one dollar three dollars twenty seven dollars eight hundred and thirty two dollars and fourteen cents it's up to you. Plus uh, tax, man. I uh, I'm drinking this evening a uh, Cardew Twelve, uh, Speyside Scotch. I've had it before. Um, it's a very sort of red fruity, you know, appley, uh, hmm. tree fruity, like a smoky tree fruit kind of apple pie. Okay. Right. Um, very nice. I like this a lot. I've not had the fifteen or the eighteen, but I do want to try them. This is one like. I like this as a space side, like long before I would go to like a Glenlivet 12 or something like that. Like this, mm -hmm. this to me is kind of like, this is what a space side scotch is meant to taste like. Like it's a lot like Balvenie in that way. Like it just feels mm -hmm. more right for what, what that flavor profile is. That just the sweet tree fruits, little tiny bit of smoke, but only barely. Um, I heard recently stuff. that it's pronounced Balvenie. 
And I've been Balvenie. saying it wrong this whole time. Balvenie. Balvenie. Um, um, I'm, I'm, Mark Allen. Uh, McAllen. Really? Mark, Mark Allen. Uh, emphasis Mark on the, the ma, usually. Glenn Morangy. Okay. Glenn, Glenn Morangy. Lafroig. Okay. Okay. Lots of yeah. There, there's lots of uh, Glenfiddich. Great, Glenfiddich. <laughs> anyway, your turn. Um, what are you drinking? Porn went out for miles here. Although I'll drink it for you, so you don't have to. I have. This is a my own creation, and um, I'm not going to call it desperation, but it is born of desperation because I need to restock my liquor shelf, and I haven't had a chance to because I've been buying audio equipment. Um, I have. It's like. Two thirds triple sec, one third fireball. <laughs> you cringe, but have you ever had like cinnamon and orange together as flavors? No. Like a cinnamon orange? No. Who you does can that? Take, you can take an orange and you can take cinnamon sticks and stick it into the orange, and then it like has a nice, pleasant flavor. I promise that the flavors go well together. I could Anyways. take coffee and put black pepper in it, but I don't do it. Well, I don't think that would taste very good. Yeah. Does it really? No. I don't know. Oh. I wouldn't do it. it. Well, I haven't had that, but I have had this. It's my second glass now, and it's it's quite good. And it's what I have. So just <laughs> emphasizing that just because you can does not mean you should. <laughs> I'm calling this drink the Ian Malcolm. <laughs> God. <laughs> we need on our website... We need a list of drunken UX cocktails. No, no, sir, we do not. <laughs> yeah, number one would be the Vesper Martini, drunken UX style, per Greg Pudenovich from season one. And then anything else we think of? <laughs> my my orange rum soda stream concoction. Yes, yes. These will be the tra- tra- drink at your own risk. <laughs> Okay, DevTool, DevTool, three bags full. So everybody knows how to get to DevTools, right? F12. F12 is your friend. F12 is your favorite key on the keyboard as a web developer. Works in Safari, works in Firefox, works in Chrome. Or right-click on something, go to Inspect, it opens it up. Um, Hooray. Either way, DevTools are there to help you understand... What's going on? It's it's like you know plugging an OB, uh, o- OBD reader into your uh, car. You know it gives you all this data, all this information as to what's happening on the page. And so we thought, well, let's find some things you know that are useful. That some of these are things that I've done that you know I, I wanted to share. Some of them are are just things that we went digging and said, oh, there's a neat thing that we haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Um. The first one is super fun. So when you go into DevTools, uh, you can go into the console. Now, console is one of those areas where you're likely to spend a ton of time as a developer. Um, It's all the JavaScript stuff. So it's all your logging spits out there. You can interact with the page through it. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think most people know you can actually type JavaScript into the console just right there. Like you could say, you know, Ver x equals document dot query selector nav or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Like you can go in there and and write that, and then it'll 
you can echo that back out and you can see the object that you queried and stored and you can manipulate it. Anything you could do in JavaScript, you could type into that console. Um, there's a neat thing you can do. And this one, this is probably the most weirdly technical ish. Mm -hmm. At the, at the, the prompt in your console, you type in document dot design mode. Camel case, so D I S I G N capital M O D E equals quote on quote. Yeah, what does that do? This is something that is like one of those, like, that's weird. Why would I use that? And then you use it once and you realize, holy crap, this is incredibly useful. All right, hold on, I'm going to try it. You try it, I'll explain it. So, what it does, like, you won't immediately notice anything. But what you can do after turning it on is if you click on the page, any text areas, the entire page is now editable just by typing stuff into the page. It's super oh. cool. It's really useful for testing things like if you're building out a page and you want to make sure your headline will expand properly Ooh. if it's too long, you can just put your page in design mode click on your title and add a bunch of words to it. Now, yes, you can right, do this by cool. editing nodes in the element inspector as well, but this is just so easy. And it gives you access to all the text nodes in the page all at once. And you're saying text nodes, but you mean like proper HTML text nodes, not like text input elements. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm saying the page, like it, yeah, it makes the any node. Any of the contain that can contain text, including like link tags and stuff. Yeah, you can add text to them. Um, are you familiar with the uh, the attribute content editable? Yes. So for anybody else, the there is a property you can apply to um, any kind of you know text based node in HTML um, that's content editable equals true that you can just put on an HTML element. And basically what design mode does is it applies that to all your text nodes on the page in the background. Oh, right. So, right. cause like okay. it doesn't do anything by default. Um, and like it doesn't save back anywhere. It's not tied into anything in your system. It's purely mm -hmm. a client side thing for you to do in browser. Um, now content editable, you can do stuff with if you tie it into your application, certainly. Um, mm -hmm. but that's, that's the equivalent though, of what it is doing is sure. whether or sure. not you've applied content editable to the node. So this just basically says, yeah, pretend like every element has content editable on it. And now you can just type in the page and make things nice. whatever length you want to be, or take stuff out. Or like I say, it's, it's really useful for debugging the length of things. Mm -hmm. Um, that's cool. I've, I just added ASDF to a whole bunch of text spots on this invoice. Cool. It's really useful for when, like, you have, you know, a designer is is handing something off to you, and so you build it, and you're like, but, you know, what about the content editors? They're going to put mm -hmm. a title that's three lines long. Here, right. look at this. And you just share your screen, put the page in design mode, and you can just, boom, boom, drop it right in the page. They see mm -hmm. it in space. Like, I, I think that's one thing that really helps. When you're editing it in the console, like, in, in the element editor... I mean, you can still do it, obviously, but like, there's it's tedious. There, yeah, and there's a disconnect between like the work you're doing and where it shows sure. up and when it shows up. Whereas this is real time; you just click where you want it and just start typing. Yeah. And 
obviously you can't format the text. Yeah, there's you're limited on what but, you can do. Yeah, but you can you can add text to what's there. Um, definitely good for mocks and comps, though. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, simple. I think I've seen thing. that before. I remember hearing about this, but I don't. I think I've forgotten about it and haven't used it since. That's really handy. Yeah. So, document dot design mode equals on. Just type it into the console, and and likewise, you can set it to off, and that disables it. So, did you know about the CLS dot CLS under the styles menu? Toggle classes. Yes. So I learned about this uh, last year at a job. Um, it's it's cool because so all right to get to it you right click on a thing on the page hit inspect and then you've got a node selected okay cool normally if you want to modify the CSS for this you have to go down into the CSS list and then you know add your element style or whatever whatever you want or like modify the classes in the HTML itself but if you use .cls you can just type like different classes and it will actually look and it'll do like a lookup on what classes are available in the style sheet and it will present that in an autocomplete. And then you can just add those um, to the list of the classes that are available and then check or uncheck them. Yeah. The same way like you can check something. and uncheck properties inside mm-hmm. of, of your classes and, and your property or your uh, selectors. Yeah. So this is great. If you do something like um, a tailwind or something that's very like class heavy, like a what this is a functional CSS, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you do like a functional CSS and you know you want to like <laughs> the pattern that you may normally use is to like edit the page, save, and then your compass or whatever rebuilds your CSS and you refresh the page and you see the difference. Okay, that's that works. But you can also use the dot CLS selector here and just add all the ones you want and it will autocomplete for you too. So, like, especially with something like Tailwind, it's going to be really handy yeah. to quickly figure out what styles or what classes you need on this element. It's, you know, and, and the same with the design mode deal a little bit that, you know, some of this stuff is like, yes, you can brute force this through the element inspector. Like, you mm-hmm. can go into those nodes and click on them and do all that and drill down into stuff. Yes, you can do that. You can edit the classes the same way, but this gives you the, the thing that makes this really nice is being able to go in on an element and do something like, okay, it's, let's say it's a hidden element, right? And you, you toggle the visibility based on something. Instead of having to go into the element inspector and physically delete the word, you know, hide or hidden or whatever your class name is, and then click back on the class and type it back in, you can just go into .cls and just check and uncheck the hide class and just turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. And because it remembers, like even after you turn it off, just like when you uncheck a a style, it's still there. The inspector Mm -hmm. remembers it so that you can turn it back on if you want to. Um, So just it's, yeah, it's a much more elegant um, and powerful, I think, approach to that. Yeah. So similarly, and in fact, yeah, very similarly, is the method of forcing state on elements. Because mm. we have like a lot of like, yeah. su- you know, these like pseudo classes um, on elements, you know, when they are hovered or they are focused. And a lot of folks similar next to CLS, and I think this is true in both Chrome and Firefox, mm-hmm. you may be familiar with the colon HOV, which lets 
you open right. a panel to toggle pseudo classes, but that's not the only way to go about that. Yeah. I didn't know about, I, I never used the H colon HOV. I always right clicked on the node in the inspector and then clicked, um, force state from the context menu. Right. Um, which is great for when, um, when you want to modify the hover pseudo class definition in the browser, but obviously you can't when you're holding your mouse over it, right? Yeah. Like you move your mouse off of it and it takes the hover state off. So this is a way to like force it to stay on. Um, if you've been in the game for a while, you probably already know about this, but if you're newer, you may not. And this is like a real, real lifesaver for that to not have to like constantly save and refresh. Fake it till you make it. Um, this lets you toggle <laughs> hover, active, mm -hmm. focus, focus visible, focus within, visited, and target. Mm -hmm. So, uh, keep that in mind. And in Firefox, it's called change pseudo class when you right click on it. Um, mm, okay, but it's but it works exactly the same. Like Firefox and Chrome are remarkably close to each other in terms of most of mm. all of this stuff. I don't imagine that. I don't think <laughs> anything I actually put in here is Chrome specific. But like I say, they may be slightly different. So just, maybe just on labeling. Yeah, yeah, just do a quick Google search if you're not sure where it's at when we talk about it. But we'll we'll try to call it out. Doesn't it like mark the node or something on the DOM so you know that it's yeah? That's changed. another nice thing. It, it in the element inspector, right? You'll it'll put mm -hmm. a little yellow dot, kind of like a breakpoint. Um, yeah, to yeah, indicate. Right. Oh yeah, you have modified this element with something mm -hmm. in in the deal. I think, um, and I'm gonna test this while we're talking here. If you use the uh, the CLS deal, no, it doesn't. Okay, mm -hmm. never mind. I I wanted to check and see, but uh, I thought if we put it like a mark or something. Yeah, I was wondering if if it yeah. worked the same, and it doesn't. So, but but if you are using a pseudo class, if you're if you're toggling the pseudo classes, it will drop a little yellow dot next to the line, just as a reminder that you've modified mm -hmm. that. So, uh, yeah, super super useful though, especially in those instances. Real good for form fields, mm -hmm. like you know some you know inner those interactive kind of things. Um, if you're trying to uh, do like animations, like hover animations that get triggered, uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good way to like you know fake the mouse over to trigger that animation to see is it what you want? Does it work right? Right. You know, one of my favorite things to do with the DOM inspector that isn't like development related. The other day, I was printing out invoices, or sorry, I wasn't printing invoices. I was also doing that, but I was printing out some manual stuff from a website and the print preview kept having like all of the navigation and like all of the cruft around it. And like, I just want the content, man. And they didn't have a print style sheet. So I like went into Dom Inspector and I just start like, you know, hovering over the nodes and then deleting the ones that weren't what I wanted. And then eventually you get it to the point where it looks good and then you can print it and then it shows it prints out just the stuff you want. Um, and I've, I've done that many, many times. <laughs> I have definitely never done that to get around a, a paywall or interstitial. <laughs> that would be a terrible thing for somebody to do. You should never, because we should respect paywalls, you should never click on the paywall and inspect it and then delete the, pay, the interstitial overlay and then modify the body to not have scroll Y 
what is it over disabled you're th- you're gonna get missouri called on us no 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 i'm saying not to do oh this. not this okay don't don't do this it, okay sidebar this is a bad thing you shouldn't do you know how they sold wine during prohibition have, have, <laughs> no. have you yeah i haven't heard this there's there was a, a company, and I, I'm sorry, this is just one of those like random factoids, but it's kind of funny, and it's very mm. on point for this. Um, <laughs> there was a company that sold um, like dried grape bricks, like con- compressed grape bricks for uh, m- making like grape juice, and yeah. the packaging specifically said, "Whatever you do, do not mix this in." a bucket and cover and put in a dark area for like a month or what, like that. I don't remember the, the exact reading of it, but it was, it was yeah. that kind of thing. It's like, don't, whatever you do, don't do this because it's illegal. But it literally was just like a, yeah, no, if you want to make bathtub wine, buy our bricks and oh. here's how you do it. Um, but we're not breaking it. the law. We're just making great bricks. It's fine. <laughs> Cause that's what you did during prohibition. You got great bricks. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, uh, there's your history yeah. lesson for tonight. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, and definitely, if you ever get a link to a survey and they give you stupid choices with your input boxes, like with your check boxes and radios, and you want to submit the form anyways, definitely don't go in to the inspector and modify the values of the radio or check boxes to something that says, like, screw you, dude. <laughs> and then select that and then submit the form. Yeah, I'm starting to think you're maybe a little bit of a troublemaker. <laughs> little, he's getting a little. Don't tell him what to do, man. He's getting he's getting antsy in his old age over here, making music <laughs> like the kids, harassing oh. survey takers. <laughs> Network speed. Network speed throttling. Um, mm. This one is a little more obvious, um, but is also easy to overlook because of just how dense these panels are. Under mm-hmm. the network tab. Now, this used to be different. I am pretty sure they are both Firefox and Chrome are the same on this now. Mm -hmm. By default, you'll see a little drop down that just says no throttling. Right. And you can choose like different cell phone speeds, right? Right. You can go in there and say, I, but I want to know. So this is so for me, incredibly useful because Mm -hmm. I am on, uh, I'm on a, a, uh, fiber, Blah, can't talk. Um, so my connection. That's good. You, at your age, you should be on fiber. I I have plenty That's of fiber good. in my diet in all the ways. Um, it makes me go very fast. Um, <laughs> you have so much fiber that your internet runs quickly. <laughs> the uh, the ability to go in and say, you know what, I want to see how fast my page loads on three G. This can be incredibly important you know, for purposes of UX and accessibility and making sure your stuff does what you need it to. If you have media, pictures, video, and you want to see how long does this take for somebody, you know, the thing is, yeah, while it is a 5G world, very little of the country as a whole is actually covered by 5G, you know? So Not to mention your international audience. International audience is a huge component of that. So, so if you're running a blog and you want to know how quickly does Doom run in my blog when people load it, this is a great way to know if your 3G users can play Doom on your website. Indeed. Uh, and so <laughs> this little drop down now on Chrome, Chrome's cool because you can actually add custom profiles to it. So you can mm. like 
say, okay, I have like it'll come. It comes with like fast three G and slow three G. Mm-hmm. You could make one for LTE. You could make one for Cox oh, Cable. Cool. You know, you could. All right, I didn't know about that. Here's a ten megabit connection. Here's a hundred megabit connection. Um, Firefox just comes with a bunch preloaded. I don't think you can add others though. All right, if you want to know what the internet was like when Michael and I were kids, and by kids I mean like teenagers, add a profile in Chrome for, let's see, download speed probably three. So change it from 11,000 or whatever to three, and that's what the internet looked like for us. <laughs> a 14.4 modem, uh, my first modem. No, that would be, that would be uh, 28.8. 14.4 would be about two kilobits a second, yeah. two kilobytes a second. That was that was my first, uh, <laughs> my first love, that 14.4. But my first was a 2400. We got 300 bytes per second on a good day. But that was like not internet, that was just BBSs. But yeah, the, the ability to throttle your connection in software, though, is really, in fact, uh, I just used this, and let me give you an example of where this gets useful. Um, I had some... Uh, some synchronous JavaScript that was set up to mm-hmm. run. Um, and we, we were looking at like, it, it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And I was looking at it and I realized it was, there was a race condition going on and I'm trying to figure out where is it, you know, where's the problem at. And by slowing down the page, I was able to demonstrate. Yeah. When, you know, on a fast connection, things are loading before that JavaScript is ready. And so things were loading and then not getting anything bound to them Um, or vice Mm -hmm. versa. I think is, I'm sorry, I'm describing it backwards. The JavaScript was loading stuff wasn't ready. And so the page loaded. Then when you come back on subsequent visits, it's fine because it's cached. It's you're good to go. But I was able to slow down that speed and show, Oh yeah. If, if it's slower, everything's fine. Because it's not going fast enough. And so that's just a good way Mm -hmm. of like for things like performance, race conditions, stuff like that. Super useful. Um, And similarly, yeah, just see, yeah, what does my page look like for somebody on a mobile Mm -hmm. device? You know, load you. We know um, I didn't put this in the show notes, but um, up in the upper right hand corner, there's a Mm -hmm. couple little nested rectangles that will put uh, your page into responsive design mode. And you can select like I'm gonna. I want to know what this looks like on a Galaxy Note 20, and it'll set your page oh, up like a Galaxy yeah. Note 20, um, and it'll set the user agent and all of that. But it's still using your connection, so set it to then you know set it to LTE and see how it then looks like to somebody on that phone on that network connection. I was going to mention this. Where where is that again? Because I'm trying to find it right now. It's oh, I see. It's right next to the little arrow. Yeah, it's it's up uh, top left on yeah on uh, Chrome. It's upper left corner in Firefox. Mm-hmm. It's upper right corner of DevTools. Yeah. It's almost the exact same icon though. Control Shift M M for Mercury. Control Shift Mercury M for Michael. No, oh, fine. Um, <laughs> well, since we brought it up. Uh, if you go into responsive design mode, you can also set custom profiles there too. Like, do you want to emulate Ooh. your phone? Then put the Pixel Six in there. Put the the One Plus in there. Whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You can set up your own devices too. 
it's cool because the actually when you're using it, the um, your mouse cursor when you're hovering over the content, it changes it to the little gray dot yeah. to emulate like a touch finger finger point. Um, I will mention though on that feature, it is simulation. It is not emulation. If that makes sense. Like right, yeah. There, it's, there are it's not running a VM. Or yeah, anything. it's not running like Android in the browser. So there will be limits to how accurate it is, and and this is something again, like having just redesigned a, a big site for work. Um, we've had this problem because we, as a distributed team, this is off the rails a little bit, but um, <laughs> I now we we had a device lab at work, and our QA person had a. Uh, a set of office drawers he could go to and open the file cabinet and a bunch of folders with tons of devices in them so he could grab stuff and test. We are now a full remote company. The device lab is gone. So it's like, I only have what is in front of me to test. And so there's a, we are having to crowdsource who has an iPhone, who has an iPhone SE. And we've been discovering Mm -hmm. that like the device emulation in browser is absolutely not good enough uh, for some things. Mm-hmm. And so it's you take it with a grain of salt. Uh, it, it's not a perfect thing, but it's a start. You know, it's a place to to give it a shot. Anyway, say off the rails. You're, you're, you're getting to me uh, <laughs> early tonight. All right, look, it's my turn. Don't, fine, do it. But I didn't, I didn't add this one, though. Monitor events. Okay. I actually don't know what this one is. Well, you got to tell me. I mean, what is it, Michael? Uh, reverse engineer it. No. Okay. Uh, this is <laughs> also a uh, uh, a console trick. So you go into your okay. JavaScript console. Um, mm-hmm. The way you'll see this used, there is this isn't just a, a little sort of dev tools hack. Anytime you've clicked on an element in the uh, in the inspector. Chrome automatically saves that to a stored temporary va- uh, variable. Um, okay. The, the most recent one gets stored to dollar sign zero. Um, so if you were in console and you're looking at your, like you've clicked the div or whatever, you open your console, you type in just dollar sign zero, it's going to return mm-hmm. to you an HTML node that is whatever is picked in the deal. Um, for what it is worth, it saves the last five, so zero through four. Um, and as you click on stuff, that just rotates them. So, how this gets useful with monitor events is monitor events is a function that you can type in. Just monitor, monitor events. It'll auto complete for mm-hmm. you. Um, and then parentheses, and you can pass it two things. One is an okay. object and an an HTML uh, node. So you could say something like, okay, the thing I just clicked, I want to monitor this. So I would say dollar sign zero. You could do document dot query selector, you know, ID, whatever, or get element by ID, you know, whatever, anything that returns one element. Um, And then you can pass it a event or group of events. So in the show notes, I've screenshotted this table. Um, I'll mm-hmm. have a there. There'll be some links to some of these things in the show notes, so you'll you'll be able to find. Do you this. have to pass it events? Uh, yes. Is it optional? Okay. Um, actually, I so shouldn't I say that. I think you can pass it nothing, and it will just monitor all of them. But it's a that's a lot of things for it to monitor. 
But what you the the four groups are mouse, key, touch, and control. And each one of those is a collection of things, and you can uh, uh, drill down into those if you want. But let's say you want to monitor an, a text input. You could say, yeah. click that, uh, click that input, go into the console, say monitor events, dollar sign zero, key. And it, it can take an array as well. Um, so you can pass in multiple. Then anytime it detects a key down, a key up, a key press, or a text input event, it will log that to the console for you. This is fantastic mm. for debugging. If you're trying to do something, so we were designing a feature that needed to Turn in turn functionality on and off based on responsive breakpoints, and so we we have a uh, event listener for the uh, window size and then a resize. So what I could do is do like a window. I uh, pick my element right it would be like um, window dot or just window rather. Sorry, um, and then monitor control. And I could pick up all the resize events and see, like, is it firing? You know, if, oh, why is it not turning on or off? Okay, let me see if mm-hmm. this element is picking up the resize event um, correctly or picking up yeah, the... Yeah, I'm trying that. It's not working for me. Uh, I tried I, I tried monitor events, document, create, selector, all on A. I, you can't do an it all. It has to be oh. a, a node. Otherwise, you would have to do, like, a for each loop on it. Okay. So, yeah, so that's important to note. It takes it takes an object as its first argument, um, not a list of, of objects. But, okay. like, and the easy one is to just be like, just pick, you know, something on the page, an H2, a div, something, monitor rents dollar sign, and then do something like uh, comma click, um, for instance, and then just go click that thing. And see, you know, if it picks up the um, the deal. And it'll output. And what it does is it logs out the event. And so then mm-hmm. you can see, you know, if you're doing anything that involves like mouse movement, for instance, and you're picking up the click event, you'll get, you know, the X and Y of, of the click, you know, what it clicked inside, what the target was, like all of those things. So you can see, okay, I need to write, you know, you know, the, I need to get this property, and the reason it's not working is because I was binding to, you know, the wrong thing or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so monitor events is is really great for, you know, debugging and trying to figure out, you know, how how is something responding to the way you're interacting with it um, from, like, a raw input standpoint. So it's a real good way to, like, suss out some of that. And... Really useful because it includes the touch events. So touch start, touch move, touch in, touch cancel. So, you know, if you're debugging a mobile device for something, you know, maybe you have a horizontal, um, uh, like a, a scrolling, like a Netflix type category or something that's horizontally scrolling and it's not scrolling properly. Well, okay, monitor events and monitor the touch events and see what it's reporting and how that compares to the code you wrote. Cool. Okay, I think it's. Mo- I don't. I don't do a lot with front end stuff, but this will be useful though. I mean, DevTools is. I'm. I, I'm sorry for the back end folks, but I mean, DevTools is a very front end <laughs> focused kind of thing. So <laughs> it is a lot of back end stuff too. 
Um, well, this next one is kind of a little back in. It's Cody, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, add log point. This one uh, requires you to go into your sources. So there's a panel called sources. Is this, wait, is this different than breakpoints? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is different from breakpoints, although it is similar in nature. So, like, okay. when you are looking at – if you go to the sources panel in DevTools, mm-hmm. you'll get this whole list right. of, like, all the CSS, all the JavaScript, anything remote that's loading for, for the page. And you can okay. click on those. You can click on the JavaScript file, and it opens the JavaScript file. Um. So what you can do is normally you would go in there and right click and uh, you could add a breakpoint or like click on, I think it's click on the line number, right? Um, Mm -hmm. What you can do instead is right click and add a log point. And what this does is similar to a breakpoint, but it won't stop the code. What it is, the, the what this is, is you ever write a bunch of JavaScript and you need to know what it's doing, and so you write a bunch of console.logs into that file, right? <laughs> you watching me code, yeah. man. <laughs> and then you have to go through all the trouble to go back through and delete those afterwards and all of this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. This is that, except just on your client side. So you can go okay. in there, or like, let's say you're trying to figure something out on the production, like somebody's reported a production bug. And you're trying to Mm. verify that bug. But, like, there are build tools. Like, you can put in console logging and stuff into code. And there are build tools that can take all that out for you. So that your production code doesn't have all the debug stuff in it. But you're trying to verify it on the production environment. Go in there. Do an add log point. And you can add in logging on something and see, okay, well, yeah, this thing isn't working right. But is the problem here? Is it somewhere else? I'm going to add log point, mm-hmm. and then what it does is it gives you a little text input, and you just type in what you want it to log, um, and then run the page. And then it will, like, oh. just like using a breakpoint, when it gets to that chunk of the code, it'll automatically log out to it's console whatever you've typed in. Cool. That's neat. Very, very good way to, like, it. it is really useful, like, in that instance, like, that production... I need to, like, debug something, and I don't, you know, man, I, I, for whatever reason, it's not working on, uh, uh, you know, or it is working on staging, but it's not working on prod, so I can't, you know, I can't debug it on staging because it's fine. So you can go in there on on your production, because what happens, right, is your JavaScript is probably minified, right, on production. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that'll, let me give you another sidebar. Um, if you are looking at a minified file and it's ugly and you can't tell what's going on in the lower left corner of the, the file view, there's a pair of curly brackets. And if you click that, it will pretty print that minified file out for you. Yes. I have used that and that is super useful. Yeah. That's, that's another one of those kind of little hidden deals. Very useful. And I should also be very clear when I say right-click and add log point. You right-click on the line number specifically mm-hmm. um, to do that, just like you would for adding or editing or removing a breakpoint. Um, mm-hmm. Go in there, add log point, type in your log message, and boom. You're off to the races. Bob's your uncle. And you can log out. It, it's, it's so helpful for those moments where it's like, man, I, I just need you to spit information out at me and... 
There's some other, like, I'm not going to get into them. There's some other ways of doing things like that where you can, like, watch things. And anytime they change, they'll spit out in console. That's super useful. But that'll, I'll save that for part two. That is adding log points. What's next? Help me out. Uh, um, oh, this one. You're going to do this one. The accessibility tree. I I feel like I've used this, but I don't remember when. Yeah. You're going to have to talk about it. Um, In two different places. So in Chrome. This is uh, when you go to your elements panel and then you have the insert for like styles, computed, layout. The last one is accessibility. Um, in Firefox, it's a first party panel. Uh, it is just the accessibility panel. Mm-hmm. So what it is, um, it's similar to the DOM. Like, as JavaScript would view it, you know, thinking about this, like, you know, what is the DOM? The DOM is the document object model. It is literally... Wait, how how do you get to it in? So in in Chrome, go to your, like, your elements, and then Mm -hmm. your panel opens up with, like, the styles. And the last option there is accessibility. So it'll be, like, styles, computed, layout, event listeners, DOM breakpoints, properties, accessibility. Do you want to do it? Should I let me here? Let me jump to the next one. I'll help you out real fast. <laughs> um, we'll we'll flip these. The command palette. I, I think I think these drinks are hitting the, me more than I was expecting. Uh, um, do a no, I, I can't find control it. shift P. I'm looking in Chrome. Okay, control shift P. I do. Th- uh, okay. I do think this is unique to yeah. Chrome. I Firefox may have it, yep, but I don't know what it. the sh- keyboard shortcut is because it's not control shift P. Um, that's privacy okay. mode. Oh, I see it. I see it. So yeah, so control shift P opens up the command palette, which is like, if you use VS code, it's like hitting F1 in VS code. You can just start typing in what you want to do. So if you hit control shift P and start typing in accessibility, it will show you, oh yeah, we have, you know, the accessibility element. And so you just click that and it will automatically open that panel up for you. Um, command palette, very useful, uh, for, especially because there, like I say, there's so much stuff in there. If you're lost, if you forgot where something is, if you're like, man, I want to do the, the network speed, um, but I don't remember where it is. Well, just show network conditions and boom, it'll jump you right to it. Um, so command palette, super useful. So that gets us to accessibility. Now the accessibility tree. Okay. So we know Found we it. know what the document object model is, right? Mm-hmm. This is the way the computer sees the page. Like how how does the computer visualize the page from our HTML? The accessibility tree is an abstraction of the DOM, but with respect to how a screen reader should see the page. So the hierarchy is very similar to the DOM. But it also includes, like, does it detect any ARIA labels and labeled buys? What is the role for this element? Um, Some people don't realize elements have intrinsic roles assigned to them in many Mm -hmm. cases. You know, when if you are using a button tag, you don't have to say role equals button. It knows, Mm -hmm. like, it semantically knows the button's role is button. You don't have to say it on that. the, the rule of thumb is you should only ever use a role if you explicitly know you need to set it. Um, don't, don't use mm-hmm. them 
for extra, so to speak, because it can actually cause problems. But the accessibility right. tree, though, gives you a way of looking at something. So again, I just we just did this. We were looking at um, a screen reader problem with a modal pop up, and the the screen reader was not reading the modal, even though it had role equals dialogue on it. Everything seemed right, and so we were able to use the accessibility tree to go in there and say, okay, how is the accessibility model seeing this element? Is it announcing itself properly? Is it doing what it's supposed to do? Um, so that accessibility tab comes in really handy for like making sure it's, you know, things are behaving the way that they should, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> the other neat thing, this is, um, there's a way to do this in Chrome, but I think you have to have a plugin. In Firefox, the accessibility plugin also gives you the ability to simulate uh, colorblindness for the page. So you can do protonopia, deuteranopia, tritonopia, achromatoposia. I still said that wrong, I think. Um, <laughs> but you can just click, there's a drop down for it. You can click that and put your page into a, a colorblind mode, which is kind of neat. Um, but like I say, I, hmm. I think you have to have like Axe or, uh, or Wave or one of those in Chrome to do that. Hmm. That's cool. But yeah, uh, all right. Good, so, good tool. so before before the show, you showed me capture node screenshot, and this is so cool. This is with the one that I didn't know until right before the show. So you just you look at the inspector, and then you just click, you right click on the node, and you click um, capture node screenshot, and then it downloads a screenshot just of what that node looks like. That one element, yeah, yeah. It's like. So cool. <laughs> Hidden in plain sight, right? Yeah. I wish I'd known about this sooner. This is really handy. Yeah, it's it's very much hidden in plain sight. Um in Firefox, it is a screenshot node, but it works exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I think both of them they just throw the screenshot in your whatever your default downloads directory is. That's where it ends up. Um you were asking, can you script it? And I said, I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you can or not. I'm I do know you can script screenshots through Lighthouse. I know Cypress, uh, the testing suite, can do it. I don't know if they can screenshot individual elements though, or if it's a viewport level only. Um, so that's research for later, I think. Um, but yeah, this is real nice for like being able to see something in isolation. You know, like, mm -hmm. what does just this thing look like? And which is really important when you're putting the whole page together and you're like, you know, something's not overlaying right or whatever. Let me see what just the menu looks like in this way. So mm -hmm. or let me let me send something or, to my QA person or maybe the QA person needs to send something to me. Or you're just did a feature and you want to grab a screenshot of the area that's affected for your pull request or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's actually a great one. Um, yeah, I mean on on a Mac, I just do like Control Shift uh, Command Four, I think. Yeah, and uh, and then it lets me like drag and right like an area, but this would work too. Windows has that too. My keyboard actually has a screenshot button. Um, well, mm -hmm. I I think it's literally the print screen button, but it's mapped specifically to the the I, fancy clipper and on on Linux, I'd click. Uh, control shift print screen and then I can drag a box around it and then 
send yeah. that. But this is like, this is but handy yeah, though. Because this doesn't require you to do anything, right? Like, I just need this element, right click, screenshot it, boom. Um, I, I haven't tested it. The one thing I, I was just thinking about this is like, what happens? Can you do it like on the body, you know? Like mm-hmm. if I wanted to get like a oh yeah would it be the whole page yeah like it, will it will it screenshot yeah. the entire page and so literally as I'm saying this I'm I'm testing it right now so I just did it and it does in fact screenshot the whole page even what is outside the viewport cool so well, that's really neat that's some because that's something I used to use a plugin for like if you wanted to screenshot a whole page and I know Firefox also has like a shortcut for that and I don't remember what it is off the top of my head but. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just if if you right click the body tag and say screen screenshot node on the body, you get the whole body. So, yeah. No. This this is real real handy, real scope relevant. Um. And I really like your notion of like, oh yeah, I'm working on this thing and I want to throw it in a GitHub issue mm-hmm. or whatever. Hit the the screenshot node, drop it into your GitHub issue, and boom! It's like quick and easy, quick and dirty screenshot. Like if you're new to the game. Product loves screenshots. Yeah, if you can, if you can get a screenshot, they will. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. As a front end developer, front end loves screenshots. Like <laughs> this, this thing doesn't look right. Okay, well, what does that mean? <laughs> as a back end developer, I don't get to do screenshots very often that are interesting to product, but when I do, <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's actually probably one of my more favorite like easy to find uh useful once you know it mm-hmm. and like if you don't ever look for it you you glance right over it and never think about it so and and mm-hmm. also good like just this is just some advice like right click on stuff in dev tools and just look at the context menus once in a while dude i've been looking at dev tools forever and i didn't even it's, like yeah it's been there forever no. It might as well be VI. Like, as far as, like, the option... Like, I know they're listing the buttons and everything with names, but no. There there needs to be some kind of, like, this is how you use dev tools, <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> so our, our... Which is why we're making this podcast, I guess. Yeah. Like I say, this is scratching the surface on, like, all the stuff, but these yeah. were ones, like, I immediately... I've got one... I've actually... I thought of one more that I use, and I'm, I'm going to tack it on at the end here. It's not in the show notes, but I'm going to save it. Um, so this next one, I'm going to expand this actually, um, because it's useful even beyond what I'm about to describe. Um, okay. at least it is in Firefox. Let me uh, clarify. So this is the flex grid view toggle in, and this one's a little more obvious, uh, but maybe you don't realize it's, it's clickable, toggleable in your elements panel. If something is using either flex layout or grid layout next to the DOM element, you will uh, you'll see like a little pill that says flex or a little pill that says grid. Mm-hmm. And when you hover it, you'll see like it will outline whatever the layout is on the page for that element. Super cool. You can click it and it will turn it on and leave it on. Yeah, oh, there it is. Okay. So and then okay. just click on it. Like if you hover mm-hmm. it, it will show it when you hover oh. it. But if you click it, it will actually sticky the view and it will number all your columns, all your rows. Yeah, the little pill button. Yeah. Okay, I see it now. So this is... That's sneaky. Yeah, this is real handy for like like 
visualizing exactly how stuff is working inside a grid. Um, I use this real heavily developing the new header for the Drunken UX site because the way I made that header responsive, it's entirely relying on a grid layout to move things around so that the presentation changes as appropriate for a desktop, a phone, whatever. So I need, I both needed stuff to move around and I needed the number of rows and columns to change. And so I can turn on my grid view, put myself in mm-hmm. responsive mode and slide this thing back and forth and see exactly how stuff moves around. So here's the, and I said like this is also more useful than flex and grid. This isn't true in, uh, in Chrome. It is in Firefox. There's a different way of doing it in Chrome, just using the console, but in Firefox, you'll also see elements that have the word event next to them. And you can click that, and it will show you Mm -hmm. all of the event listeners that are bound to that element. So, for instance, on the menu button for the new Drunken UX site, I have Mm -hmm. attached a click listener to that to open and close the menu. And so if I hit that button and I hit the event pill next to it, I can, it opens up for me my toggle menu function and I can see exactly what it will do when you click that button and what code it's uh, doing. And it gives me a link to it so I can click inside the, the little tooltip and it'll take me to my JavaScript and show me that function. Where are you seeing this? In Firefox. Oh, I'm, I'm in Chrome. Yes, yeah. This is specific to Firefox. Um, okay. But it's well, good on you, Firefox people. Enjoy. But that. it is this. But it's the. It uses the same sort of you know visual cue to let you know there's a thing there. So and like Chrome, it works. You can still do it, but the way it works is like when you select an element, you have to go into the event listeners panel, and it, what it does is it gives you like a a breakdown of like all the possible events. DOM content loaded, um, you know, blur, all of these things. And they're just like in a big list there. But you can still, you can find the event listeners. You can remove them, add them, um, whatever, and, and interact with them there. So a uh, little different, still there. Also, I, I just, as I'm looking at this, um, if you ever click an element in the element inspector, you'll notice... Mm-hmm kind of grayed out and to the right of it, it'll say equals equals dollar colon sign zero. zero. Dollar sign zero, not colon. And and that was what I that's a hint to you that it is storing that element as dollar sign zero right now. So I said earlier with the monitor events, elements get stored in dollar sign zero through dollar sign four. If you've ever wondered what that means, why it says equals equals dollar sign zero, that's why. It's just telling you it it stored that there. So there's a nice quick quick little callback to to what's going on there. Um, one more. Can I throw one more in? Do I have time? I okay. think I have time for this. I suppose. I I guess you can. Go so this was one I didn't think about it until now, and then as we were clicking around and doing stuff, I realized, oh yeah, that's really useful. Little different in Firefox and Chrome, but still there. It's a mm-hmm. drop down in Chrome. Um, they are little. Mm-hmm pill button-y things in Firefox. If you are in console, um, whether it's like the little sub-console or the full big console, um, in Chrome, 
you can there's a filter bar which lets you search through uh your console logging yeah. but to the right of it is something that says default levels so if you click that oh, you have a bunch of options nice. verbose mm-hmm. info warnings errors so if your console is too noisy especially if you've got like a lot of third party stuff that's getting blocked oh. by uh, you know cores and things like that which are you can also disable but you can define what levels of console logging you want to have shown that's really cool that yeah this is just another one of those little things that it's like when you're debugging stuff there can be so much noise in that console that between being able to filter like i don't want the infos i only want the errors or something um and then using the filter, you know, being able to filter your mm-hmm. output um, on top of it is is super useful. It's just a fuzzy match. Like, if you're getting a lot of cookie warnings and you want to know what those are all about, just type in the word cookie. It's mm-hmm. a live, it's just a live filter, basically. Um, but filtering that console and using the ability to turn on and off different levels of logging, super, super helpful. Bonus. I, I think we covered all the important ones. We're like coming up right on the hour. Do uh, you have anything else, Aaron, that I didn't think of? Anything that came up while you no. were clicking through stuff? I forget if I mentioned earlier, but I'm calling this drink the Ian Malcolm. Yes, you you did in fact uh, mention that. Uh, so I I guess we must go faster. So give us one second. We'll be right back. <laughs> So that is a bunch of random, like, 10, 11 different tips for using DevTools. A little better, a little more helpful. You may have known some of them. I'll bet you money I told you something you didn't know about, though. And I Yeah, I learned at least two. Um, and I hope that you will take the time to drop by, share with us your favorite DevTool hacks, your favorite shortcuts, the, your whatever tools you come back to or, or things that you find that you share with people a lot. We would love to hear how you use that. I want to hear the one that you just learned that like you've been doing this for a while, however long a while is, and you just learned this one. You think it's really cool. That's the one I want to hear about. You should come tell us on the facebook.com slash junkinux or twitter.com slash junkinux or instagram.com, which is difficult. So it's junkinux.com. So junkinux podcast after instagram.com or come and talk with us on junkinux.com slash discord and support us at patreon.com slash discord or nope <laughs> no nope. oh, that was way wrong this drink drunkenux.com slash support which will redirect you to patreon.com slash drunkenux yes i apparently cannot handle social tonight i'm sorry well i only gave you one job <laughs> and uh you you know what you excelled at it because this is the Drunken UX Podcast, and we are glad you come back every other week to listen to us. we got a lot more lined up for this season. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Share with us whatever it is you're using DevTools for, any tips, tricks, uh, hijinks, or shenanigans that you enjoy sharing with other people, because we would love to hear about those things. And just remember that at the end of the day, the most important thing you can do is use DevTools to figure out creative and new ways to keep your personas (laughs) close, but your users closer. (laughs) Happy February. Go Team USA. February. We'll see you next time. Wait, are the Olympics going on? Yes.